placidly in the kitchen, stirring sugar into teacups. We didn't burn so many lights before, the old lady said. It was a reminder, among many others, that Mary's presence was unwelcome. That Mrs. Breen, at least, had not invited her into their lives, this grimy interloper with her swollen belly and her skirts and blouses from Sears. As though her condition were a mystery on the order of the virgin birth, as though Harry Breen had had nothing to do with it. She lifted Arthur from his crib and gave his bottom a pat. He wriggled, squealed, fumbled blindly for her breast. The sodden diaper would have to be changed, the baby fed. In this way, minutes would pass, and finally an hour. The stubborn sun would begin its grudging descent. Across town in Roxbury, girls would be dressing for the dances. Claire Boyle and her sister and whoever else they ran with now, setting out by twos and threes down the hill to Dudley Street. She finished with a the diaper, then sat at the window and unbuttoned her blouse, aware of the open curtains. If Harry came upon her like this, her swollen breast exposed, what would he do then? The thought was thrilling in a way she couldn't have explained. But it was after six, and still there was no sign of him. When his mother was alive, he'd come straight home after work. You could set your watch by it. His footsteps on the stairs at 5.30 exactly. Even on Fridays, when the other men stopped at the pub for a taste. Lately, though, his habits had shifted. Mondays and Tuesdays, he played cards at the vet's. Once, leaving church, he'd nodded to some men she didn't recognize, a short one and a tall one sharing a cigarette on the sidewalk. See you tomorrow, then, Harry called in a friendly tone. The short man had muttered under his breath, and the tall one had guffawed loudly. To Mary, it couldn't have been plainer that they were not Harry's friends. They'd met the way everyone met, at the dances, Last summer, the Intercolonial was the place to be. Now, it might be the Hibernian, or the Winslow, or the Rose Croy, for all she knew. On a Saturday night, with Johnny Powell's band playing, a thousand or more would crowd upstairs at the Intercolonial, a mirrored globe hanging from the ceiling so that the walls shivered with light. She was 17 then, too young for such pleasures, but it had been easy enough to slip out on a Friday night with Ma dead asleep, exhausted by the work of getting three small ones bathed and in their beds. And it wasn't even a lie to go dancing on a Wednesday, when Mary really did attend the novena at nine o'clock as she was supposed to, the church packed with other overdressed girls and men who'd already had a drink or two, who'd meet up later across the street at Fontaine's Cafe and make their plans for the evening. All right, then. See you at the hall. The men were deep on Wednesdays. You could change partners all night long if you wanted. Thursdays were a different story. Maids night out. The halls packed with Irish girls. There was almost no point in going on a Thursday. The numbers were so against you. On a Thursday, you were lucky to get a single dance. Harry Breen hadn't chosen her. Not at first. That first time, they danced purely by chance. She knew all the dances, the reels and jigs, the wild Kaylee. At the Intercolonial, waltzes were the thing. Though once each night, Johnny Powell would force the dreamy couples apart. Line up, everybody, for the Siege of Ennis. 
a mad crush then as they form two long lines, men and girls facing. You take your turn with every one, herself and Claire Boyle laughing the whole way through. Some of the men were clumsy, some so strong they'd nearly swing you off your feet. She noticed Harry a moment before he reached for her. He was taller than the rest, his movements liquid. He swung her gracefully, smooth and controlled. And that thing she first felt, that swooning joy, maybe it was simple geometry, the relative size and shape of their bodies, his chest and shoulders just where they should be, their hips meeting, her eyes level with his mouth. The plain fact was that she'd chased him, courted his attention, gone to greater lengths than any girl should. There was no point now in being ashamed. She had a ring on her finger and it hardly mattered how. They were married fast by her uncle Fred.